Hey, speed freaks, and welcome to the American Downhiller podcast presented by SkiRacing.com, where we share our insights and stories about the best sport in the world, World Cup Downhill, and the legendary tracks that will be run this winter. Hi, everyone. I'm Doug Lewis, two-time Olympic downhiller, and way back in 1985, yeah, the 1900s, uh, along with the entire World Cup, we arrived at Bormio for the first ever running of that tough course, and it was for the World Championships. Joining me are three of the fastest downhillers in our history. AJ Kitt, a four-time Olympian, and 10 years after I ran Bormio to a bronze medal, AJ up the ante and finished second to Luke Alphon on the gnarly course, 1995. Next up, Darren Rawls, winner of 12 World Cups. 20 years after I won my bronze medal, Darren skied away with two medals, a silver in the downhill at the 2005 World Championships. And they were 10 seconds faster than I am, but we'll talk about that. And finally, the founder of American Downhillers, Marco Sullivan, a four-time Olympian who was the only American downhiller to ever win the tough downhill at Chamonix, France. But today, our featured guest is RCS, Ryan Cochran-Siegel. 2018 Olympian, a World Junior Downhill Champion, a World Cup winner, and that came in a Super G at Bormio last year, where he crushed everyone by eight tenths of a second. That's a day and a half in Super G. However, he is back and ready to get on the podium. RCS, welcome to American Downhiller Podcast. Thanks for being with us. And first of all, where are you and how is the skiing training going? Yeah, um, thanks all of you guys for having me always fun to talk with you guys and talk history of the sport but I'm in Patch Austria right now so um it's just like up the hill from Innsbruck um kind of the heart of ski racing but we're just taking some time off um between you know the races in in Gardena and Altabadia and then into Bormio so I think there's about four days off which feeling pretty good to get some rest yeah, talk about this season so far. It, I expected a little bit more from you just as a fellow Vermonter and a big fan, but Lake Louise, 10th, not bad. Uh, Birds of Prey, 6th, a little bit better. Gardena, ninth in the Super G. What's been the biggest challenge for you this season to find that speed again? I think, um, yeah, it's kind of just the consistency from start to finish. Um, that's really been the biggest battle. I think... I've had fast sections, fast training runs um, that have like given me confidence. But then when it's coming to the racing, I think they're still, you know, just getting totally in sync um, all the way for the entire run that I need work on or that that really just needs to come with a little bit of time and patience. Um, I think in, in Lake Louise, I was actually having a pretty solid run. I was at fourth um, coming out of gun barrel and I was less than a tenth off of Creek Mart too. So I was within podium contention. I just um, bled a lot of time on the flats. I wasn't really aerodynamic and wasn't carrying my speed that well. So that was kind of a, a bummer, a pretty big difference between, you know, where I was and where I finished in 10th. Um, but I think taking, taking the positives away from that and um, recognizing, I think I'm skiing well, it's just a matter of putting it all together on race day and figuring out that, that mental component of it. Um, so yeah, definitely think it's been solid. I definitely think like, my ability, I, I know that I can achieve more. So trying to figure out how to do that. RCS, I'm going to uh, go against Doug here. I think you have done amazing for walking out of Kitzbühel with a broken neck last year. I mean, you're right back in the hunt right away. And I think you're skiing super solid and it's just a matter of time before it stacks up. So nice work on getting back on the horse. Yeah, thank you. I think, I mean, it's definitely tough. When I got injured, I was kind of, 
at an all-time high with my career. So um, trying to not have those same expectations, you know, coming back into the race after injury, after switching companies that it's got to take time and just, you know, being persistent every day. But I think it's kind of, you can see it both ways um, for sure. And I think trying to just do that in a way too. Let's, let's dive into that injury. Uh, you were on fire, right? Second at Valgardena. You win at Bormio. You're, you're winning at Kitzbühel. We thought we had our next U.S. winner to join D. Rawls. And then you took a hard right on the fall away and broke your neck. Talk about that because it sounds crazy. How was coming back from that injury? I think it, it sounds a lot crazier than it was. Um, we're talking about a very, very small little fracture. It was obviously could be far more severe than what it ended up being. And um, it was unfortunate timing. I think, you know, it was just the consequences of, you know, trying to find that limit as a downhiller. Um, and yeah, I took a, took a hard right turn when I should have been hanging onto the traverse, but um, learned that lesson and, you know, was fortunate to be able to more or less walk away from it. Uh, I had, I don't know, eight weeks off after surgery and um, was skiing in beginning of May with the, American downhiller team in Mammoth, um, and then was, had like a really solid full prep period starting in August, training in Gates and doing all that. So I think it was a bit of a blip more so than something more severe injury wise, um, but definitely something to learn from when you're kind of that close to, you know, very, very severe consequences. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think a learning experience for sure I definitely I don't hold any grudges against kids feel I mean I still it's still a beast that I'm trying to tame and um I think I look forward to that moment when it comes but you know also trying to trying to focus on right now Ryan you know maybe worse than the injury was that you were taken out of a, a groove that you were in back back then that you were like you were definitely one of the fastest guys and you were just just getting ready to prove it every day right like fast in training fast in races putting up all the results and, and then all of a sudden that stops. Right. So like, how do you, how do you, what's your plan to get back to that point? I mean, are you relying on, on what you did leading up to that point last year of trying to build momentum, build confidence um, or, or is this process a little bit different because you're coming back from injury? Yeah. I, I feel that it's just about um, building as much confidence as possible from previous races, from kind of where I feel I am with my ability and, and my speed right now. Um, and I think, the cool part of the, the injury was that it was just this one tiny little piece of my body. The rest of the body was healthy. So I don't have to like relearn a lot of those kind of muscular patterns as a ski racer. It's all still ingrained and I can still trust it. Um, I think it's just like finding the trust on race day that I am, you know, good enough and, and can be one of the fastest, if not the, if not the fastest. Um, so yeah, battling that, but I mean, as we all know, as athletes, it's, it's such a huge mental game trying to work with that and trying to figure yourself out so you can be your best. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would have been nice to have seen kind of how that season could have finished prior to the injury, but I guess we'll never know. And I have to have to kind of reset where I'm at right now. Yeah. Ryan, um, going back to that, that moment at Kitsville, like you said, it's just, is one of those uh, just glitches, right? Just stuff happens and and um, move on. I think you have a good outlook as far as that goes. You got a little uh, redemption this year, get back to, but because um, I mean, you just had the flow and you're in the same position now as you were last year when you came to Bormio. I mean, a couple of days 
you know, you have just recharging and all that. Are you trying to look back at last year, kind of how you came in to, to Bormio to set yourself up, you know, for that same success and just that good feeling on the hill? Are you watching a lot of video right now? What are you kind of like doing to mentally kind of get your head in the game for next week? Yeah, I think um, trying to just give it a good reset right now. You know, I think I know that I have good skiing. It's just a matter of being able to attain it on race day. That That's what I'm struggling with, if, if you call it struggling. Um, so, I mean, for me, I think it's just like taking a few days off, not focusing on skiing, you know, kind of letting the mind just like get to feel a little bit normal for now. And then I think as we get into Bormio, ramping that up and um, – I mean, my focus is on just the first training round, trying to see what the slope is like and, and see, you know, how I want to ski it, what, what, you know, mentality I want to bring, um, what it's going to demand just based on the, the terrain and the snow conditions. But for now, I don't, I don't know, baking Christmas cookies and, you know, <laughs> spending some downtime with the team is really all I'm looking forward to. Yeah. How about uh, real quick after Val Gardena, did you get some good GS training in? Cause talking to, your coach Forrest Carey in Beaver Creek. He was like, Ryan needs like a couple of good days of GS to get like right where, you know, he feels the best and, and uh, has a lot of confidence rolling. So we, we talked to Bryce, we heard it was, uh, he got on some, you know, some GS, but how, how was that going for you? Did you guys, did you personally get some, some good runs in? Um, yeah, I got some, well, I was in, I raced in Altamadia the last two GSs. So I, uh, wasn't that fast, but, um, I had, so between Beaver Creek and Gardena, I actually flew over to Europe a couple of days early and we got some GS training in Altamadi on the warm-up slope. Um, like Alex Kilda was there, Sam Morris and Eric Arvidsson, we were all training together. So I thought that I had some good days there. Um, and I think by the time race day came in Altamadi, it was just, I don't think I've had kind of allowed myself to get the volume to, um, push on the pitch. And I mean, that, that hill is definitely incredibly demanding for a GS skier and obviously coming from speed and not getting a whole lot of volume, this prep, it was a challenge for sure. Um, battling, I mean, the conditions, the hill, and I think also fatigue, but yeah, it's definitely Bormio is like where I'm headed with, I mean, training and skiing. And then after Bormio, that's when I think we're going to push for again, for a good GS block, um, and try to give myself a good chance for Adelboden and skiing fast there. But it's always, you know, always that balance of getting speed when you can and then when the schedule allows fitting in GS here and there. Um, yeah, I got one more follow-up on that. I mean, obviously, River is crushing in GS. He's fast. He's had some good consistency. Are you jumping in, training with him a little bit? I mean, I think that would be a great benefit if you guys could train together. He can learn something from you. He can, you know, pick up some stuff from him. But just, like, to having that team dynamic – I think that'd be pretty strong for both of you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, he's skiing at such an elite level right now. And I, I mean, I was talking with him yesterday about he's even putting runs down that aren't perfectly clean. You know, it's not his best skiing, but he's still a top 10 skier at that level. I mean, it'll be really cool to see what he's able to do with his best yeah. skiing for two runs. I think that's going to be competing with the best in the world for sure. So um, unfortunately, based on our schedules, he was in Valdezere when I was training in Altadilla. So um the last time we trained GS together was in Solden, but I think after Bormio, when we get together, I'll be with the GS team in Fulgaria and um, trying to get, you know, some good high quality, high intensity training. And obviously River as a teammate, he, he brings his, you know, 
full hundred percent every single day he's on the hill, regardless if it's a race or training. So it's definitely, I mean, where he's at right now, you'll, you'll know that he'll be bringing the pace for the training environment to try to learn from him and try to see where, where he's at to, you know, get that reference. Yeah. That's a great barometer for the whole team. And, and for you just jumping in with those GS guys, like to see where you're at. And I think it's really important to have that intensity for, for training and, and just bring it right into the race day. So cool. Yeah. Keeping it on the team of team aspect, Rivers giving you that that speed and that motivation. What did Bryce's win do for you and the downhill team going into Borneo? I mean, I think like that was so impressive and so cool for him to ski so well. I mean, I think you look at the whole GS or so sorry, the whole downhill team, and um, they were all able to have some really good sections or some really good runs too. Um, so I think it's you know, it's good to gain that confidence as a team and try to continue to push each other. I mean, I definitely, I think personally, like I see Bryce up there and I'm psyched for him, but I also, you know, I, I don't want him to be so alone. Um, I want to contend against them too. You know, there's, it's that like friendly rivalry that I think is healthy with our team. So I'm hoping we're all kind of, you know, motivated and recognize like we are a strong team and that we can compete um, just so that on race day, you know, we're, we're in the hunt. All right, let's switch to Bormio. I have my uh, bronze medal from Bormio uh, hanging right here. It's kind of rusty and been dropped a lot. Darren has a silver. Uh, AJ's been on the podium. When I ran it, it was, uh, I don't know, AJ, if you ran it too, but it was in February and March. Now it's running December. Let's all try to describe this downhill. It is long. People fall in the finish relatively uh, commonly because they are so... Uh, tapped out uh it is dangerous it is dark it is icy it is full of terrain it is it is the ch most challenging maybe not the most dangerous that's kitzbühel's but to me bormio is is just an amazing test physically and mentally uh darren you've won there twice you won a medal what's your description of bormio and how does it stand out well, Louis, I think Bormio is, it's the most relentless downhill out there. It is really physically demanding. High speed up the top. It's got a ton of terrain. I always loved showing up there because it basically made, like I had to find out what I was made of when I showed up there and I had to bring it. Um, it's still got good flow. You can really match like just the hill, the flow really well. I love that uh, right footer coming across the traverse like setting yourself up for the traverse. So for me, I was like, I just going to roll on this thing and go, you see a lot of guys coming in there and not really quite confident enough. And then like sliding the top of the turn to get yourself set for the, the traverse. And I thought that was really important to come in there and just lace the strongest, cleanest turn as possible. Take all that speed across that left foot traverse. And so it was a challenge. It was a, a challenge almost top to bottom. And I liked having that extra grit, uh, to just keep pushing at the bottom. I was not going to give up anything. You know, I was still fighting so hard for aerodynamics and looking for the fast line at the bottom. And it's, it's a mental challenge because you're, you are feeling it. Your legs are burning. It's, it's tough on the body, but I just love digging really deep and just going for it. And I think that's where I could separate myself. A lot of guys, but it's just, like ride the lightning Metallica from top to bottom it came on and it was so fun. And I was really excited last year watching RCS just smoke that, that, um, 
that G uh, super G and then the downhill, he was just on the edge. Like you flew off that one jump on turbo road and we're way back in the tails. And that was downhill style, man. That was so fun to watch and just cranking on that hill. And, and obviously it's just, you found the flow, get it back. And I want to see that happen again, top to bottom this time. Sully, only 11th there, so it didn't match your style. What was so challenging for Birmingham for you, uh, Marco? Um, I mean, like Darren said, that last pitch is key, and I, I think I always just stumped out down there. <laughs> I had, like, I remember several times I was, my splits were kind of top five or maybe even podium coming into the last pitch, and it just never lined up for me. It, you know, it's, it's such a leg burner. I felt like I, I don't know, I wasn't unfit, but it, it takes something uh, to dig deep on that last pitch to really stay on it. And it just never lined up for me. But um, I do think that course, even though it's really rattly, it has great flow. Like Darren said, you know, it, it does all link together. And, and uh, you can look at it that way as one just long flowing course from start to finish. You know, it's the way to do it, no matter how bad your legs are hurting. Marco, you need to join me a few more times on the uh, the uphill sprints on Dunner Summit, the Puke Fest. That's what you needed there for Bormio. <laughs> In hindsight, you showed up one bad. time and you and you didn't show up again. <laughs> and I didn't show up on the podium either. I guess there's a correlation there. <laughs> yeah, I ran the course in December and in and in the springtime um, throughout my career, and. Uh, my second place year was the uh, World Cup final. So it was a spring race. Um, it was really bumpy. But I'll tell you what I love about that that track is you, know, you go out of the starting gate and you got, you know, a left footer and a right footer and you're just accelerating through both of those. And then you get launched into space off this huge jump and then you land and now you get begin to accelerate again. I mean, when you thought you were going fast before that jump, you land and you head into that turbo road and you've got that jump. that's like this fly off jump and your tails, you know, you're landing on your tail and you just can't keep up with your skis and i just love that section all the way out there through where it jumps into those big super g turns that head into the the traverse um and i that that course i mean any other course would have ended off that big huge jump after the traverse because it's like long enough right and then you get to the bottom pitch and it's just punishment to go into that last pitch and you just these relentless turns with in the dark and it's bumpy and you're tight your legs are completely cooked and yeah like Darren said you just have to find a way to let them run and stay aerodynamic and, and try to keep racing the hill um, I mean it's survival but you know if you can find some ounce of energy that you can dig for um, then you can make up time because there's a lot of guys that do just lose a, a ton of speed on those bottom turns because they don't have the strength to resist all of those forces so it's a great track I, I love it and I can't believe that I'm that tired after a minute 58, you know, I mean, I've run Vangen and crossed the finish line feeling tired at two thirty, and you, you know, you come to Bormio and it's that thing. It's, it's punishment all the way down. It just requires everything from start to finish. Well, AJ brought up that start. I mean, the, that start is so fun. Yeah. It's just best. ripping that left footer, right footer. You switch. I mean, you could almost like just take off, you know, like laid up on that right edge. And I mean, it's just game on out of the start gate. I think that's what like really fired me up. It's like a kid's feel. Yeah. You know, where you just get into it, but it does not stop. Where Kitsville, you have that one gliding section at the style hung, but Bormio is just, I mean, it's just, you're firing the whole way down. So it was, it was something I really look forward to, to racing. 
So we've described it as brutal, relentless, a nightmare. Ryan, you seem to connect with it. Describe Borneo for you and physically, are you ready for this punishment? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think when people think about Borneo, it's like based on fear. And I feel like sometimes I kind of thrive off that. Like when I, when I know other guys are scared, I think that's when I, I want to put my, push myself and um, kind of make it worse for them, you know, show them like what's possible. But when they're in, in that kind of that negative mindset, like, and being there positive, I think is, is really powerful. So, I mean, I just like, for one, I think I don't have the greatest start. So Bormio is perfect for me. I can just click out of the start and just find the fall line, get going, accelerating really fast and um, be in there. I think that that top splits, how you kind of have to, you know, set it, like set the mentality that you're going to attack this thing and, and move forward and find the fall line. But it just like, yeah, those first, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds come at you so fast that you're like going over turbo road at that point that like it just comes so fast um I mean last year it was it was quite a ride I was not expecting to get kicked so much there so then I was kind of I think allowed myself to race and just really focus in on on my skiing but um I think what's cool is there's gliding there's technical aspects um there's high speeds too you know as a downhill you want to be a well-rounded machine and that's why I think the best skiers that show up on race day are like true you know quality best downhillers in the world um i don't know it's i've i've kind of between training runs and the races um i've definitely had like some disappointing days there but i think recently embracing the challenge and you know trying to take what the hill gives you and, and flow with that and not fight it there's like there's different styles of skiing it where you can just you know be one with the hill and and you know take the speed that it's giving you or you can be abrasive to it and, and fight and um seems like the first one's the, the way to go if you want to be fast i got one more thing to add on, on that embracing the challenge uh one year it was my last year racing i was uh i came down first train run i won it and i was like all right we're testing some new skis first day this one ski was on snow new construction everything and uh tom just said hey let's just give this a shot and i went out hard because i wanted to feel you know how the ski was going to perform and the second day back then, how you finished, if you win the train run, you're starting 30th. They're trying to put like the fast guys in the back of the, the top 30 for TV and just getting people to hang around a little longer. So it's a disadvantage, obviously, in Bormio. It gets dark, it gets rougher. I mean, way later in the day, um, start 30th. But I'm coming down, I'm, I'm same skis. We try to give it a second run, you know, just to validate that ski. And I was putting the coals to it and then decided to stand up the last jump just air brake, checking speed, and I win the train run again. And uh, I was just, I mean, I was so fast everywhere. And um, the next day on inspection, the Austrians, the Swiss, the Italians, all those coaches were trying to get in my head when I was inspecting saying, oh, you blew it yesterday. Like you're starting 30th, you have no chance today. And I was like, oh yeah, well, I'm gonna show you. I mean, this is like, it's mine. And uh, there was even a, a crash around like, in the high teams and I went to the other, the older start house and just lay down on the bench. Huey had to come get me back up. You know, I told him, Hey, like get me like in 15 minutes before my start. Once they restart this thing, it was like a 40 minute hold. And I just, so it was late in the day, dark. I came down and lit the thing up and won. And it was like three really fast runs back to back to back. And I embraced that challenge. And, and I think that's like what you gotta do. I mean, other guys like Fritz Strobel was like 12th, you know, start 
and he was leading and he thought he had in the bag and I came down 30th and took it. And that was like probably the, I mean, I was trying to show myself that, but everybody else, because people were like trying to like get in my head, all the other like heroes and other racers did that, but it was more the coaches. Some of those guys, like calling me out and turning my head, but use that fuel and to, to light the fire even more. Let's talk about training runs, Ryan. Do you have a specific plan for each one? Whether you're testing skis, testing a line, do you like to win the training run, uh, which you've done a couple times, or at least in, in Val Gardena? Um, what's your training run strategy? I think it's, it's dependent on where I am. Um, I think for Gardena, I, I felt that like I needed to kind of push my skiing um, based on how Beaver Creek went. I think uh, it, it was about kind of, you know, like setting a pace for myself that I could be comfortable with. Um, it wasn't like I was trying to win, but I mean, it kind of happened that way. And I think that's how training runs have happened for me in the past is like when I'm skiing well and not thinking so much, then I can be really fast. Um, and it's, it's the battle of like taking that mentality and bringing it to a race, you know, not changing too much that I think I, I'm still learning from, but I would say I'm, it's nice to be fast, but again, like training runs, I think everyone's working a little bit differently. Um, if they're trying to figure out skis or if they're just trying to make it down, I know the older guys are usually pretty, pretty impressively slow based on how, how much they bring it on race day, you know, and, and not hanging too much weight on what it means to be fast in a training run. Um, for Bormio, I know that I've been able to ski it fast. So probably trying to take it as like, what sections do I want to go at? What sections do I think are important? Um, which sections is, are it okay? Is it okay to kind of, you know, chill out and not, not ski the race line that you want to show immediately. I mean, I think there is a little bit of a game to play when you're out there and seeing things your way, but, but not trying to give too much to the other guys. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I think when we get there, um, speaking with Heinz too, seeing what, what his ideas are for skis and, and what we want to be working on that side of things, but it's kind of, it's always a no pressure situation. So you have some opportunity to, to try stuff out. Hey, how's that been playing out with Heinz? I mean, this is, I was really surprised actually when, man, uh, when you went from Rossi to, to head, I mean, you were so fast last year, things were working out so good. And then all of a sudden you switch brands with, I don't think any testing. I mean, what was the <laughs> process there? Have you just decided to go for, I mean, Heinz to have him in the, in your corner, He's incredible. I mean, he put Lindsey Vaughn on top over and over and over and a lot of other racers, but so you have a guy you can really trust there. And, uh, but that's, uh, what was your first like initial, like, you know, thought process of even wanting to change off of the brand you've been kicking ass on? Yeah, it was definitely, it, it didn't happen overnight. Um, it was kind of a constant conversation from probably the end of March up until, you know, I signed and moved on. Um, away from Rosino and on to head, which happened very beginning of May. So it was, I mean, when I got injured, like not on my mind whatsoever. Um, I was figured I'd resign with them in the springtime. And I think as those conversations came about, um, I believe either Johan or Reiner reached out to Forrest Carey, our head coach, just seeing, you know, what, what was going on with me. And um, they basically got their foot in the door and kept that conversation going. And that was kind of once Heinz got involved, like his name got involved with it, um, it definitely kind of pushed me that in that direction. And, um, you know, I'm the type of person that I try to weigh everything as best as possible. And once I make the decision, then I move 
fully forward with that and, you know, don't look back. So it's been cool. Um, Heinz is incredibly impressive. He's just such a cool guy, um, a great personality, really hard worker and so dedicated to be, you know, the best. I think he is as hungry as anyone I know about, you know, wanting to be that top dog. And, and I mean, it, it shows based on what he's been able to accomplish with this, you know, the, the people he's worked with, um, between Bodie, um, Lindsay, I mean, it's a huge, huge crew dating 40 years, something crazy, but, um, I've had a lot of fun with him. I think, you know, we're definitely hungry for more, um, and trying to figure out how, how we can do that together. And, you know, um, he has some brilliant ideas and I think it's like about trusting that and trusting what we, what we have right now to be able to, to build just on this relationship and, and move forward. Um, obviously for this season, but I think the, the long-term too, you know, but yeah, trust that program without even making a turn on those skis. <laughs> so you didn't have any concrete, like, you know, factual times to go off over of a feeling. You just went yeah. because the program looked really good to you. And obviously it's working for a lot of other guys out there and girls. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, you look at, you look at the best speed skiers in the world. And I, it, for me, that seemed like the majority were on head. So that was, I think that heavily weighed in the decision. Um, I mean, looking at what Creekmeyer was able to do just year one on the new brand and, and see his success. And then, I mean, Bayad Foyt, Matthias Meyer, Gilhan Clary, they're all kind of the, the guys that I watch um, to try to get better myself. So I think it, trying to be, you know, see what they're doing, have access to the equipment they're on and, and try to be competitive with that. That was kind of where my mentality is at. And it's been a cool process. It's definitely different just what, than what I would have expected, but um, no regrets at this point. Can you take us behind the scenes a little bit, uh, pull back the curtain for us uh, people that want to see behind the curtain? Did you, did he provide older skis from other racers that you could try? Are all your skis brand new? And are you testing now, daily, weekly? So, yeah, so um, I first started working with Heinz, I think it was August, would have been August 7th was our first day on snow in Zermont, and we had a five and a half week a long camp between Zermatt and Sauce Fay. And that whole time we were just, you know, it was my first time on the brand on speed skis. So stepping in to every kind of variation that they had and we were testing, I mean, skis, um, different constructions, you know, different side cuts, different lengths, um, bindings, plates, and then boots and everything. So everything was kind of being thrown at me, trying to figure out what, what type of skier I am and how the equipment can work to my advantage in that sense. And um, it was, it seemed like almost every run, there was a new pair of skis and toward the end of the camp, we kind of started to be able to filter out, um, you know, the very obvious things that weren't working and the obvious things that were and and taking that with us. And it, it, it just been constant too. I mean, the time spent in copper, um, feeling that different snow and, and trying to, trying to take out those, those fast few pairs that we could take for races has been huge. But the interesting thing with head is just based on um, kind of as Creekmire came on, they built some longer skis, which other brands have been on. Like when I was on Rosignol, I was on a 215 Super G and a 223 downhill and, um, head at the time was just 213 and two, 218s. So they, this past spring, um, pushed a longer Super G and a pushed a longer downhill ski to try. So everyone that's on the same ski as me is on a, a newer ski. Um, Heinz had access to older skis too, that, um, he still has in the quiver, but I think it's, I'm trying to just you know, get to something that I, I feel I'll understand every single turn, um, every condition and 
for me, that's kind of the longer skis at this point, but it'll, I think it'll take time, you know, just getting the skis on snow and, and getting them faster and faster. What was your first, what was your first uh, reaction or impression when you clicked into those new skis, you got off the lift, the first turn was like, like, did you go lay it, lay it out there and like arc it or were you skidding some smear turns trying to feel the edges? I mean, what was your first impression that first run? Well, yeah, day one was in Mammoth when I was in like GS skis, GS boots. Um, and so that was the biggest contrast because like two days before I was on Rosy at the beginning of the camp and then had a day off. And that's when, you know, I made that switch, did the signing and all that stuff. So that was just apparent that it was like, this is totally new. It like it, it felt more like the first day back on snow after, you know, like two years hiatus than it did. Um the two days that it was but it was quick it took probably three runs and then it kind of just slowly my patterns kind of built into adjusting to what the equipment was um and i think speed was actually like on super g and downhill skis was less of a difference there's obviously minor things um based on kind of how the ski held in different snow conditions and that type of thing but i think i was just trying to get miles and, and get you know up to speed with those differences um so it was, it was a cool process for sure. Since we're talking about equipment, um, like from Valgardena to Bormio, you know, a huge contrast of, of courses, how similar will your equipment be from downhill to downhill? Yeah. So, um, I know one, like, we'll see what we're on on race day, but the one thing that I know we're trying to change is base bevel trying to get a little bit more aggressive um so what i was on in gardena was definitely more built for kind of gliding and you know a smooth initiation but when you're on the ice in bormio you gotta you gotta have something that holds there so that'll be the big, biggest thing um biggest difference and then beyond that i, I think part of it's also just having consistency too um even though the snow is going to be different it's not going to react the same i think it's still about just skiing that equipment um well and moving well that that i need to be focusing on all right i'm going to take you way back to where you grew up on Cochrane ski hill uh you can correct me how how many vertical is it i always say it's 300 i'm never totally confident on the total feet but it's it's not much <laughs> it's not much talk about i mean aj i think swain we have a couple of palisades at tahoe middlebury college snowball it doesn't matter where you come from talk about what it was like to grow up on that hill and how did you get the most out of 200 and something vertical feet yeah i mean as a kid i think growing up in such a small place um just a t-bar and a rope toe it was so much more about learning to love the sport and learning what you're given um, and taking, you know, taking those opportunities and, and running with it. But it was a lot of fun. I would think like pretty normal, total, total normal Vermont childhood, just young little kid. Um, obviously like I was fortunate to grow up with some pretty fast ski racing cousins. And I think that that had a pretty big influence. Um, I think when I was, you know, eight, 10 years old was when Jess and Jimmy were kind of breaking onto the U S ski team. So I could see when they would come home, I could see that like the cool code and, you know, they're how good they were at skiing and try to take that and use that as motivation to work hard myself. Um, but I think early on, like no snowmaking, no lights, it was definitely good snow years where we were very thankful for. And then the tougher years, we, 
we kind of ventured off to other places that that had better conditions for sure. I do want to bring up one more uh, interesting fact. 50 years ago this February, your mom won the gold medal in 1972. Pretty cool. How was that growing up with a gold medal mom? Well, she was just, you know, she was a gold medal mom for nothing to do with the Olympics, just because who she is and how great of a person she is. Um, but it was, it was cool. It kind of like, it was numbing in a way of not really understanding how just incredible it was that she did win the Olympics, you know, like it's just, she just like, that's what it was. You know, that's, that's who my mom was. And, um, it took a while for me to, you know, get to this level and recognize the amount of work and just skill, um, dedication that it takes to do that is, I have a much different perspective at this point. So, um, she's awesome and I love her and, you know, I'm so glad she's my, she, I get to call her mom. Old little mom. Hey, Ryan, uh, has she talked to you about just, uh, like how she went through it physically and the mental process too, to, I mean, did you get anything, some tips actually from mom as like a mentor or, you know, like a former teammate of yours? Yeah. Well, I think she definitely has a really good, um, you know, understanding mentally of what, it, what it took to be that, that level athlete and, um, to achieve such an incredible thing, um, you know, winning the Olympics is definitely so many kids dreams come true. And I think she was able to kind of pass along a lot of those just positive type of mindsets, um, onto myself. I mean, focusing on the process, enjoying it, taking the positives. Um, I think those are the types of things that just as people are what make people successful. And, you know, it's not, it's not going to be, not every day is going to be perfect and you have to kind of like roll with the punches and, and the good days, I mean, you have to appreciate that, but she's definitely growing up. She, she was able to, you know, pass along a lot of that information and a lot of her knowledge on me. And I think lately it's been more just, she gets to be my mom. And I think I'm trying to figure it out on my own as well. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Is she going to be in China for the Olympics? <laughs> nope. No shot at that. Um, which I'm actually, I think I'm fortunate or I, I think that is fortunate. Um, I always feel when there's like family or people around that sometimes I feel added pressure. So going into the Olympics, I mean, obviously it'd be cool to, for her to be there, but uh, I think it'll be, you know, a good way to just really focus in and, and think about the skiing at that time. What happens when I show up at kit steel? Is that going to be extra pressure for you this year? Or should I try to just oh, yeah. I, every, away? I stay every away time I see you say, Hey, what, what time to do? No, I mean, <laughs> line you up. I, as a racer, I have to be able to deal with that pressure, you know, but every time I see you at a race, it like, you know, I get a little anxious. I'm like, holy shit, Darren's here. Oh, sorry. Be there, You're going to have to edit that out. Kick ass holy shoot, that. Darren's here. <laughs> holy cow, Darren's here. <laughs> no, no extra pressure. I just think it was really cool when I saw like all the Austrians at Kitzbühel, you know, the former racers just watching their athletes and kind of just saying, hey, boys, we're here to watch something. Throw it down. I loved having my own like crew show up in Beaver Creek and, and Kitz and Vangen. Like that just like. We were just talking with Bryce about that, you know, how it just adds a little more energy and, but I mean, everybody's a little different. So, um, yeah, yeah I just, I, I just love kind of like, I mean, I was riding the lift with Tommy Ford morning of inspection at Beaver Creek when he won the GS. 
and he was just so chill and just you know we're just I mean talking about the race and really just like it was awesome but like hey it's if it, as a former teammate our you know our former like uh U.S. ski team member it's just really incredible to be there and see you guys perform and, and we just want to show you that we're, we're supporting you all the way yeah so don't don't take the pressure but you know we're I mean, even from afar but when i can show up it's it's a blast you know watching you guys get after it yeah i think as an athlete like having you guys be at the races um it's cool just knowing i think one how many different personalities there are that have had success with the within the american downhill crew you know like we're all we're all our own people and um embracing the kind of collective energy that i think we all share is is what's so powerful um and so I think that's like, that's what I have to drive. It's like, sometimes I get carried away with like, oh, like I got to impress this person. That's like, that's not what I need to focus on. You know, like when, when I see you guys oh. show up, I think it's about embracing, you know, your energy that you're bringing to the, the table so that we can, we can push it to that next level. And uh, we asked this question to Bryce. Um, I think you just mentioned it. There's so many different kinds of American downhillers that have had success. Everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses. Um, what is unique to you? Uh, we could probably try to describe you uh, as very unique in what we see, but what are those one or two things that you are that that make Ryan Ryan and that you've held on to um, to make yourself successful? I think, you know, it's like when I'm skiing my best, I know one, I'm relaxed. Um, I'm having a good time. I'm enjoying it. And I think the last thing is just, you know, like trusting my kind of unique ability, who I am as a skier, you know, what, how I'd stack up, how I line up, how I'm able to drive into the turn and um, combining those three aspects is kind of what I feel. Excited to keep watching what you do, man. You, for me, I think uh, my first memory of you was in Schladming uh, world champs, I think 2013 yep. and you came on the scene, you know, pretty kind of new the downhill and and you've just always had a really nice style and really confident way of skiing and um it's really fun to watch so just have that belief in yourself and keep charging man good luck in Bormio. yeah i would say that you know the the downhill title we haven't really talked about that that much but i mean that race is wide open you know you got you got kilda who's got a dnf you know bryce won a race and he's had some you know no point races i mean it's early in the season too. And we've got a bunch of great races coming up that are going to, I think be right in your wheelhouse. So um, I would, man, keep your eye on, on keeping the bar and the, keep the bar high, you know, look, look for, have a, have high aspirations for yourself. There's no reason that, that this needs to be a rebuild season. I mean, it, yes, it's the Olympics and, and there's a ton going on, but man, go out there and, and get after it every race and keep some high expectations. Yeah. We're not worried about you RCS. We're just waiting to you tap into what you got. Did you, uh, did you get your secret Santa present already? I've got half of it. I still have to spend <laughs> 12 euros. I've spent eight, eight euros so far. So, um, you got probably go down left. to the Christmas market. <laughs> yeah. Maximum of 20 euros. For yeah. Santa. Yeah. Yeah. I think you we should know. up that up for Bryce though. His should be kind of like a, a 200 euro. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have someone in mind that you'd like to, uh, have, uh, uh, choose your present? It's a white elephant, right? So it's random. Yeah. So, oh, that's a good point. Well, it's, I try, I try to get it where I'm like, one, I'd be psyched to get it. And two, it's not unique to me, you know, it'd be fun. So I don't know. There's anyone special. Um, I'm sure Bryce would, I don't know, 
maybe he'd like it a lot, but we'll see. I mean, if you're getting a gag gift, if, you know, someone in mind you'd really like to have get stuck with. Yeah, it, I'm right? not. Yeah, but I'm not. I like would feel too bad if I got a gift that no one liked. You know, I'm like too self conscious about that. So it's more of like I try to think of something that would people would want to use and and enjoy, get a little excitement out of. Does, does everybody <laughs> yeah. just feel like there's 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 white elephant? parties where you you know if somebody get, gets one you can steal it, but you only get one steal so really like the person that you know goes last maybe has the, the the most advantage the person that goes last for sure does the one rule we have is if an item gets stolen twice then it's like off the table so yeah. you kind of that's where like you wouldn't be able to probably take the best item because that's going to get stolen twice um yeah so you kind of always you have that option too if you want to unwrap something or or steal something well, we'll have to follow up and tell us uh, what you got for your white elephant because uh, we know what you're going to get at Bormio and it's going to be success. So thank you, RCS, for your time and sharing so much of your uh, inner thoughts about DH with us. Thanks to AJ, Marco, and D Money. And thanks for watching and listening, everybody, to our American Downhill podcast. If you liked it, spread the word. Share with your friends, coaches, teammates in your club. You can find us on SkiRacing.com for our video and now in audio form, either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Just search American Downhiller Podcast. It all helps, also helps a ton for you to subscribe and also give us a high rating. Looking forward, our next podcast come, uh, coming up, we're going to cover Kitzbühel, Wengen, also some topics, and of course, the Olympics in Beijing. What Olympic pressure does to athletes, and also, we will give you details on the new Olympic course. All right, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, and always remember, ski fast and take chances. <laughs>